So welcome back again to the second part of our podcast here and come and see Inspirations today. Thanks again indeed for joining us. Shane is still still with me. And today we're delighted to welcome onto our podcast this morning Sharon Colopy, who's joining us. Um, joining us actually, it's not for the first time, but Sharon, you're welcome and thanks indeed for joining us. Thank you very much, John, for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you and Shane today. You back in March 2020, you shared with us some reflections on the 10th, 11th and 12th stations of the cross. And by the way, listeners, these are still available to be heard uh, on our podcast, which is come and see inspirations.buzzproud.com. Just Google come and see inspirations and you'll find us there. But Sean, just going back again and do a little bit of research on yourself, I found that you've been pretty busy enjoying and sharing your faith uh, before we get on to some of the recent projects you've become involved with. Would you share with us a little bit about your faith background, please? I'd be delighted to, John. Um, yeah, I suppose just to begin at the very beginning, um, I was raised within the Catholic faith. Um, and I suppose up until probably the end of secondary school, I was still quite active within my faith. But then after that, in all honesty, I began to journey through what I often call a faith wilderness, you know. I was moving into my late teens, early 20s, and I got busy with life. I got busy with all, you know, the, the, the joys of growing up and finding myself and going into relationships and friendship groups and materialism, um, image, identity, all of that stuff, that all happened. And um, other than, I suppose, observing Sunday Mass and attending Mass at special occasions, Christmas, Easter and the like, I really had lost my way, to be honest with you. Um, it was around the time I hit 30. And I suppose I had all of the trappings of a life well lived at that stage. Um, at least on the outside looking in. But on the inside, I was beginning to feel very lost and very unfulfilled. And I often refer to that time as my time of divine discontent. At the time, it didn't feel very divine. It just felt like I was very discontented, very lost, very unfulfilled. Um, so I began to, you know, I was always a deep thinker. I was always a sensitive person. I was always a lover of nature. I always had a deep kindness in me and a gentleness. But I suppose I was trying to fit into the world around me. Um, so between 30 and 35, I suppose, I started to return to my faith more and more, just by going to Mass more and more, showing up more and more. But it wasn't until I was about 35, I was at the Mass, the funeral Mass of my aunt, and I was um, chosen to read at that Mass. Um, and it was the parish priest in my local parish at the time approached me afterwards and asked would I become a regular reader and minister of the word. I said yes because I was I couldn't say no. It was the last thing I wanted to do because the idea of having to stand up maybe every Sunday and do this again and again terrified me because I was quiet and I was shy and speaking out in public wasn't something that was very comfortable for me back then. Um, but anyway, I said yes. And I started to show up. And if I'm being very honest, I'd say for the first two years or so of reading, 
the word regularly at Mass. It was all about me. It was all about my performance. It was all about speaking without making a mistake. It was all about that. And to be honest, I don't even think I was taking too much notice of the word that I was reading. Before I continue with that, though, let me just backtrack a little bit to say, I think it's important to note here that on that day when I was asked to become a regular reader of the word, that was a pivotal moment for me because at that time, there was an incredible warm welcome and there was an invitation into something which really touched on this deep need to belong that had been void within me for so long. Also, I suppose it's important to note that this, this parish priest at the time, I think, saw something in me that I wasn't able to see in myself back then. And I think it's important to say that as well. But as I said, I showed up and I started to begin to read regularly and it was about performance at the beginning. But after a couple of years, I'd say, um, it began to change. And the word began to change me. And all of a sudden, the word I was reading, I was beginning to take more notice of and wonder about and ask questions about and explore and reflect upon. So the word began to change me and encouraged me then to say yes. So from that time then, I was being invited and I suppose to become part of something greater. And I had the courage now all of a sudden to say yes to it. And the first step was the Synod, the Limerick Synodal Journey, which I was a part of. Um, and I journeyed with, uh, I think it was like 350 people altogether from all walks of life, maybe more, over 18 months. And again, this experience is journeying together, listening to other people's stories and points of view and perspectives further transformed who, who I was and who I was becoming. And again, from the Synod, it led into lots of different areas that I know we're going to discuss now in a moment. So my faith journey was, I started out with born into faith, schooled in faith, sacramental faith. Then there was faith wilderness, lost, searching. But someone noticed, someone welcomed me and invited me. Somehow I had the courage to say yes, and the word began to change me. And that's brought me to where I am today. That's some beautiful journey. Just for, just forwarding on from that, um, one of the projects, and we, we just mentioned at the start of, the, of, the, of our chat together, you're involved in quite a few projects, but one of the projects that you've become involved with has been coordinating the Limerick with Love fundraising event for Troca this year. Tell us all about that. Well, I became a volunteer for Trocra, I suppose, about two years ago. And I suppose one thing I will say is that, you know, I'm very much about active participation. So when um, I, I wanted to become part of charity, I wanted to do some charitable work. And I landed upon Trocra, I suppose, because it's, you know, the official charity of the Catholic Church. So it was a good fit. Um, but I really was determined that if I was going to be um, a volunteer and I was going to sign up to be so, such, that I was going to be active, that I was going to, 
it wasn't just a box ticking exercise doing a little bit here and there that I was going to try and evoke real change and try and gather people together you know and really create an energy and a, a, dynas- a dynamic energy behind it so um for a couple of years I was just doing some work with them around Lent um and then during Advent the gifts of love the Christmas wow. appeal um so I'd been doing that for a couple of years and then Covid came and then changed um how we did things and yeah. it meant that there was a lot that we couldn't do all of a sudden so I suppose back in February this year, 2021, um, we had our Trogra meeting planning for Lent. And I suppose at that meeting, inspired by the testimony from volunteers all over the country, I began to think about, OK, what can we do for Lent? You know, we were in a lockdown. People were isolating. People were lonely. People were searching for a sense of belonging and a sense of purpose and meaning. So I suppose there was just this divine inspiration that, you know, I'd been doing a lot of walking. I'm, I'm, I like to keep fit. I like to get out and I like to walk. Um, We've been doing it within a two kilometre radius, a five kilometre radius, and then it started to extend. I think by then it probably had extended to 20 kilometres or something, or maybe 10. Anyway, so I was just inspired to kind of go, OK, what can we do? So the focus of uh, this Lenten, this year's Lenten campaign was South Sudan. So I thought to myself, OK, I wonder what the distance is between Limerick and South Sudan. And it was like six and a half thousand kilometres approximately. So I thought, OK, I'd never cover that distance myself over Lent, you know. I was thinking of the 40 days. I thought, OK, let me try and reach out to some people and see if I could try and, you know, tick a few boxes here. If I could, you know, raise some funds through Lent, if I could gather some people together, if I could create a sense of community where people felt like they were together apart, that there was was this commonality. Um, So do you know what? I'm privileged to say that I have become friends um, with the most wonderful people at both parish and diocesan level and also in Trocra. That once I actually, you know, um, suggested creating something around, let's walk together from Limerick to South Sudan. Trocra's logo being unto love conquers fear. So the idea of from Limerick with love. So it, it grew legs then, John, because I had people, as I said, in the parish and the diocese at Trocra who really supported me in getting it off the ground. And what I considered might be me and a few more people I knew walking over the six weeks, 40 days of Lent, maybe hoping to achieve the six and a half thousand kilometres, maybe raising, I didn't know what we'd raise, but I think I set it at something like 3,000 euro in the hope that we might get there. Ended up in being um, 93 people from all over Ireland and beyond who took part in the campaign. We raised, I think, almost seven and a half thousand euro. And we'd walked so many kilometres that we actually got to South Sudan, but we also got back to Limburg. So we got there and we got back. But it was wonderful because, you know, during this time of lockdown, you know, it gave people, and me included, it gave me and everyone a sense of community 
a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, um, and, and really doing something really, really worthwhile, do you know? And I was delighted then that at the end of it, we created a little video um, of images of, from all of the different participants in all the different places. And this video was going to be shown, shown to the families who featured on the Trove for Box this year. You know, so it was incredible. You know, that just reminds me of the of the gospel message, you know, that the, the little we give, if we give it to the Lord, you see what he does with it. Just multiplies it. Well done for that idea. So that's one of the projects. Now, you just mentioned the word video there, and you, 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 you have created a series of videos around the godly play approach to religious storytelling. That's, can you tell us a bit about the godly play idea? What's that all about? Well, when you asked me the first question about my faith journey, I mentioned the synod. And um, from that synodal process, I did some training in youth ministry. Um, And from that training in youth ministry, I was then invited to participate in something called Godly Play. I'd never heard of Godly Play. I just liked the sound of it. Plus, I was being invited again. So I trusted the invitation. So there was a three-day core training in St. Patrick's College in Thurles in June 2018. And those three days just blew my mind. Because, as I said, I sat there as a, I don't mind saying my age, a 47-year-old woman at the time. I wasn't a child but I became a little girl again as I sat there and listened and, and experienced and became part of the stories. And I just began to imagine, oh my goodness, the value of becoming a godly play storyteller and being able to sit in a circle on the ground and sharing these stories with children in a way that really helps them explore their faith through story, in a way that helps them to develop a religious language, I suppose. And also, I think what was really beautiful about it was that the whole approach of godly play is very much based on story, on wonder, on imagination. And it's not that we're trying to use a transfer model where we're trying to transfer information into the children. It's more that the Holy Spirit is very alive and very active within the child. And there's a very strong sacramental imagination already happening there. But the whole godly play process allows them the space within which it's built on a relationship of trust and intimacy. And they're invited to imagine and to wonder without judgment, without it being right or wrong. And it was the most incredible experience. So since my core training I have developed godly play at a parish level and at a diocesan level, but honestly, COVID really interrupted it, its momentum. You know, I was starting to bring it to schools by way of sacramental preparation. Um, Then COVID came, that was a no-go area then for a while. So last year, because I couldn't go to schools, 
we decided to film the Advent story. And um, I made a series of four videos and it was literally made downstairs in my living room in front of the Christmas tree on my husband's phone. That was it. And I submitted them to um, an incredible friend and supporter of mine, Rose O'Connor, in the diocesan office. And she got them uploaded on the diocesan website. So there was, like you mentioned, Zoom earlier, been a wonderful medium for people to connect in a way that they may never have done before. I found that these Godly Play Advent videos had a greater outreach than I could have even imagined. So yes, the essence of Godly Play is to be in a space, sitting on the floor in a circle with children or with teenagers or with adults. It has many applications. But when we can't do that, there was another way. The Spirit inspired us with another way. And that that was the Advent videos last year. I took a look at them. They're beautiful. You, but you also um, you you also done the story of creation to coincide with the season of creation. Tell us a little bit about that, please. I did. Yeah. Again, it was just to, you know, avail of the opportunity, tying in with the church year, you know, um, and just to provide an alternative way of understanding the creation story, you know. The Godly Play um, Season of Creation video was filmed in a, a local community centre. Um, it was a, a lovely space in which to tell the story. But I suppose it's important, and you're giving me the, the, um, the space now to expand upon what Godly Play is by means of you tell the story not through words only, but visually through a set of materials, you know. And in the season of creation story, we have a set of, if you like, kind of boards which depict each stage of the story. And as a storyteller, you become so deeply invested in the story. And the word, the language of it begins to really, I suppose, land deep in your heart and you know not it's not as I said not just the word it's not just the visual but it's the way the story is told that I in my experience whether it's been in person or via zoom or via videos and getting feedback afterwards people often feel like they're beginning to understand the story in a way that they never understood it before even though it's really simple you know, or economical with words, but the pace, the rhythm, the visual, it just brings the story to life for people. And I think people really felt that with the creation story when we got to do that um, earlier or late. I think that was probably late last year, actually. So you're losing track of time now. COVID and time is everything, you know. Yeah. You've certainly had an awful lot of invitations, should we say. And one of the invitations in more recent times is to become coming involved with the lay pastoral ministry programme. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about your involvement with that? 
Yes, yes, yes. Um, I often joke and say I think I prayed it into existence, really. And um, now I don't take credit for its formation at all. But what I mean by that is um, I'd been actively involved in parish for a good number of years now. And um, I think I had a deep longing within me to have some form of formation, though, because even though I had a incredible energy and enthusiasm to be part of different ministries within the parish and the diocese, I didn't know whether I had the, the skill set, you know, the deep theological reflection, the spiritual development, the personal development. So for, I suppose, look, it's, we, I think we have it innately, but maybe these, these programs give us the confidence, do you know? So when I heard about this formation program possibly com- be coming into existence, I was delighted and thrilled. I, I didn't know whether I was eligible, but I was invited to apply, and I did. And from the very first information evening, I was absolutely sold. I wanted to be there and I wanted to do it. So, um, again, our formation program was interrupted by COVID. We started in person. We had six months of um, a discerning phase where both each of the participants and those people leading the program used these six months to work out whether we were a good fit, you know, whether now was the right time. So we had those kind of, um, we had two or three sessions of the first six months in person and then COVID came again. And I promise I'm not going to mention COVID no more because there's enough COVID to COVID. But but it did happen. So then we had to to take a little bit of a break for a while, but then we decided to try it via Zoom, move it online. So we finished our discernment online and we began year one of the actual programme online. It's been phenomenal, John, to be honest with you. Everything I hoped it would be, it has been and more. Um, We began by really beginning to understand what pastoral ministry and theology was all about. There was a huge emphasis on the personal development of the person, you know, what they were bringing to the table. So we went right back into the family of origin and all of that stuff. We also looked at the Bible and it kind of deepened our understanding of the stories, um, spiritual development, all of that. So all of that happened year one. Um, we're already in year two. We started year two in September. We're still online. We're still meeting via Zoom. We were hoping to be back in person by now. That hasn't happened yet, but hopefully someday soon. And this year is very much about theological reflection. But also as well, and, and liturgy, sacramental, all of that. But this semester also, we were invited to create a pastoral placement of choice. Some form of ministry within our own parish, maybe our own community. And the only prerequisite was it would be 20 hours between September and December of ministry. Within, within parish or community. So within that realm, I had I decided that I, I had three objectives, really. I really I have a real passion around prayer and what prayer can mean and what prayer can be. And I really believe prayer can be a many varied thing, you know. 
Um, and I really wanted to try and share with others what my experience of prayer has been over the last few years. I also, I, I hoped to create a group again, this whole idea of creating community, bringing a group of people together. I'm very passionate about community, you know, and so bringing a group of people together. And I suppose the third objective of my placement was to become more comfortable in that realm of facilitation, you know. Um, so the programme, it was a five-week programme on, on prayer and different ways to come together creatively as a prayer group. Um, and that programme um, has been completed now. I finished week five last week and it's been the most incredible journey. And it's really brought to life some of the, the learnings and the experiences I've had through the the actual formation program, I've really been able to take that now and transfer it somewhat into parish. And um, I do think that we have the, the genesis of a little kind of a faith prayer community there now. And um, God, God only knows where it's going to go next, but um, I, I do believe it's going to go somewhere beautiful. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, the prayer program or the pastoral leadership program has been absolutely most incredible experience of my life and I don't say that lightly and it's had so many applications not just in my role in a pastoral ministerial sense but just in my life generally it's like the word began to change me a number of years back it continues to do so and all I have to do is keep showing up and saying yes and it leads me it really really leads me do you know so I couldn't hire, I couldn't recommend the formation program enough. It's been phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Sharon, th thanks a lot indeed for sharing that with us. Um, I know you've just completed the first five-week program. When I say first, I'm preempting. Are you going to have a second program next year? Maybe. I think so, Jan. I do. I think so. Um, as I said, we've just finished, so I'm just going to let everything settle a little bit. You know. I want to kind of sit and, and just kind of reflect upon, you know, how how did it go? What worked well? What didn't go so well? And um, get some feedback from the participants who thankfully journeyed with me through the whole five weeks. And um, together, I think we might discern, okay, where can we take this next? You know, I think I'll continue to offer it in its current format to anyone within the parish or wider community or the diocese or anyone actually who invites me to. I think I'll, I'll continue to offer it, but I'd like to develop it too, you know. I'd like to say, okay, where are there obvious gaps, you know, where people really have this, um, this sense of searching, seeking something greater in their lives, as I did a number of years ago. But for whatever reason, for them, going to Mass, going into the church, isn't the way or the place for them. Maybe not now, maybe not ever, that we provide an alternative, another way of coming together, which is absolutely led by the Spirit, which absolutely aligns with Christian tra faith tradition. But that it's just a different way of coming together in community. So, yeah, definitely I'm going to run them again in the new year in the current format. But I'm hoping to just allow it to just breathe, you know, and uh, see where the spirit leads us, really. 
with the Jod. You know, I think there's an incredible opportunity, uh, but, but more importantly, an incredible need. I, I, people are lost, people are seeking, and they're not sure where to go to find. Is it answers? I'm not even sure if it's answers, but, you know, but definitely, yes. Sharon, thanks so much for that. I mean, the, the image that comes to me at the moment, actually, is of God speaking to John the Baptist in the wilderness. And there you were in the wilderness many, many years ago. And you got that invite that didn't write. It was just one of those occasions where you read, you know, and you never know. You didn't know where that was going to lead to this present moment. Such a lesson for us all to just give it a go. Just trust. Do the best you can. That's all you can do. Maybe don't overextend yourself. Don't worry about it. But you stuck with it for a few years. I know you said that when you were reading there, you weren't too sure what this was all about. It was more of it, more or less you were concerned about your pronunciation and presentation and all that sort of stuff. But that's all part of everybody's story. But, it en- but you ended up to where you are now because you kept on accepting that invitation. The only thing I can say, Sean, I hope you get many more invitations because I'm sure there's lots of stuff in there that the Lord is willing, uh, that, that wants people like yourself to come to come forward with and, and to encourage us, to give us all hope as we try as best we can to live out the faith that we are these days. Thanks a lot for coming on, Sharon. You might come on again sometime, please. It would be my honour and privilege, John, and I shouldn't be hoping and waiting for the invitation. Thank you very much. Now, in the meantime, there's a piece of music that I asked you to choose, a beautiful piece of music. Would you mind sharing that with us, please? And maybe why? Um, well, I've always loved it. Um, it the, the piece of music is How Great Thou Art. I've always loved that. Always, always, always. But the version I actually shared with you is by the most amazing singer, Lauren Daigle. She has incredible faith. And all of her music is very inspirational and inspiring. And But this particular piece, she is actually collaborating um, with another um, group and their name escapes me in this moment but that doesn't matter so much. What matters is they're in a large venue where there's thousands, I would say, at least a few thousand people and within this version of this song, the hymn that we're all familiar with, you hear all the voices coming together. Hers is a very beautiful voice but there's space for all the voices to come together. And it's just, oh, my it, my soul dances every time I hear it. And I listen to it often, you know, and it has the same effect on me every time. So I really, truly hope it has the same effect on all of your listeners. And I hope they enjoy it. So it's How Great Thou Art by Lauren Davis. Sean Cullaby, enjoy the rest of your Advent and, and a happy an enjoyable Christmas from us all here on Come and See Inspirations. Take care. God bless now. Thank you, John. Thanks, Shane. Oh, Lord, my God When I in awesome wonder Consider all The words thy hand hath made I see the stars
Yeah. 